You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast with Brian Weber. It's a talk show. We talk. And former Pro Bowl Steelers quarterback Cordell Slash Stewart. Hey, get your popcorn ready. NFL No Huddle airs live weekdays from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern on the NFL on TuneIn, your everything audio app. Hello and welcome to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. I'm Brian Weber alongside Cordell Stewart. On today's podcast, we're going to take you around the league with former NFL punter Drew Butler and NFL first and goal analyst Nick Ferguson. Plus, we'll provide your fantasy fix. And Brian, we're going to kick off the podcast today with former NFL defensive end DeMarcus Ware. DeMarcus, thanks for taking the time. How are you? Hey, how you guys doing, fellas? I'm pretty good. We are doing well, and we are glad to go around the league with you. Unfortunately, we've got to start with the devastating news from Thursday Night Football. Richard Sherman done for the rest of the year with the Achilles injury. How do the Seahawks try to hold this defense together without him based on his playmaking and leadership? You know, when you have a guy that, um, you know, gets hurts like that, and, I mean, he hadn't, lost, he hadn't, you know, been out of a game since, you know, he came into the league. So he just saw in how, you know, stable he is and, you know, how big of a leader he is for the team. And uh, with the Legion of Boom, when you think about them, you think about, you know, their defensive line, their front seven, but also you think about their cornerback core, where, you know, Chancellor and Errol Thomas and Sherman. And so it's, it's a really big loss. And I just want to see how now they, they cope with, you know, with one of their leaders being out and uh, and how they pick up the pieces. And Marcus, when you see Ezekiel Elliott out of an offense that – well, everything starts with him, the offensive line and then him. Uh, but he's no longer there, a part of that for the next few weeks, pretty much six weeks, let's just say that. Um, how do you replace that style of football and that offense when everything really starts with number 21? You know, you can't replace Ezekiel Elliott. You know how when we when we played, it, there are players out there, when they play, they are so impactful, and uh, you just can't emulate that. But the thing is, you can't substitute it with – you know, maturity and stability with the guys like Alfred Morris and uh, Rod Smith and, you know, those guys, I think that they can really pick up the pieces. But, you know, you also got to think about Dak. You know, Dak is the one that's, you know, controlling the offense and making sure things going. And he's one of those quarterbacks where he's not, you know, playing just, you know, football. He creates plays on his own, his feet, you know, stringing plays out. So I think that, you know, that's going to, you know, play a big role, you know, for the Dallas Cowboys. And, you know, they'll, they'll be, able, be able to still sustain, but you can't replace Ezekiel Elliott. Chatting with DeMarcus Ware of NFL Network. DeMarcus, as we get set for Sunday Night Football between New England and Denver, let's go back to the AFC Championship game a few years ago when your Broncos hosted the Patriots, and you were a big reason why. Tom Brady had a lot of issues in that game with tremendous pressure. Do you think this defense can make it a challenging night for Brady coming up on Sunday night? I mean, it's a big night, especially talking to, you know, Vance Joseph. He, you know, the, the pride of the team, you know, is, is up very high right now because they came up, they're coming up for a big loss in Philly. And for them to have an opportunity to sort of prove and, and make a change right now because, they, you know, they were a turnover-written team before that. And they're saying, you know, hey, how can we fix this? And, you know, putting Brock out there saying, hey, you don't have to be a world beater, but the thing is you need to control the game, control the clock, you know, keep the game close. And then let the defense do what they do best, create turnovers, get pressure like we did, you know, that year of the Super Bowl. So they're trying to get back to that strategy, which I, I know that they can. But, you know, we'll see this week. DeMarcus, let's talk about another DeMarcus, the guy that pretty much, uh, not pretty much, but he wears the same uniform that you used to wear. That's DeMarcus Lawrence. At this moment yeah. in time, he has 10 and a half sacks. I mean, playing some dynamic football for this, for this defense, similar to how you did. Uh, give me your take on his presence on the defensive line and and how much does that help to be able to get the other guys involved to maybe become sackers or, or, or players that can just make some really good plays when it comes down to his talents and what he's capable of doing? You have a guy like, uh, you know, Demarcus Lawrence. You see how he played the first year and they're like, okay, well, then was he a bust? And then now you see how it takes progression to become a great player and become a great pass rusher. And the thing is, Craft and have been working on his toolbox. They have an opportunity now to see uh, how he sort of progressed, and, and you know now he's one of those guys where you have to double team him. And now you got Tyron Crawford, guy they just you know paid down there, and he's having have an opportunity to make plays. And you know the first four games they were missing David Irving, and now you got that big DC about six seven two ninety. He he's you know pushing the pocket with uh, Taco Charlton. So when you have, you know, four guys that can, you know, get at the quarterback, that can rush the passer, uh, that takes a lot of pressure off of that. You have 
Lee coming there, and you know he's that captain, sort of that quarterback of the defense, that middle linebacker, just telling all the guys uh, that takes a lot of pressure. And, um, and so with Demarcus Lawrence now, he's taking a lot of pressure off of Sean Lee. He he has to always be that guy. You got a guy on the defensive line, which is that front seven. You got you know Sean Lee that's cornerback core, and now they're a more developed team. And I uh, know that. Marcus Ware of NFL Network is our guest on the NFL on tune. And Demarcus, let me get you back to Denver. What's your view of the Broncos' muddled quarterback situation? Do you think by the end of the season we'll see Paxton Lynch once he's fully healthy and ready to go? You know, right now they're they're just trying to get rid of a situation, but their defense has been in their their zone and the 40-yard line going more than any team because of the turnovers. And, you know, they, they want to play football. They want a, a, a team to drive all the way down the floor. So they're not just getting, you know, you know, little field goals here and there. And they're, you know, short field. So, you know, if, I know that Paxton Lincoln, um, he's, you know, now off, off of IR or whatever it was, and he, he's not hurting more and he has the opportunity to play. But, you know, right now all everything's on, on Brock. So they're, they're they're putting it on him, saying that hey, you're you're our guy. But the thing is, you know, things happen during the season. Hopefully, you know, he he plays well. But you know, Paxton is a guy that you know when I when I was in practice with him, you know, he's one of those gunslinger type quarterbacks where he's very athletic. Now he's athletic. He can move around. He can you know string plays out. He can throw the ball down the field, but also keep the chains moving with his feet. So he's very versatile. He can he's one of those cre- uh, those quarterbacks that can create plays. Like I said, like a like a that. So um, I look forward to, to seeing them, but right now they're looking for stability in Brock. How impressed are you of the Jacksonville Jaguars and how they've been able to play, especially on the defensive side of football because you're a defensive guy, but offensively? I mean, Blake Bortles is playing solid, but the running game is really the reason with the offensive line. Uh, and overall, this, this, this team is really playing much better than I think everyone expected. How impressed are you of that? Quarter, quarter, just like just like you said, the main thing when you think about championship teams and uh, the run game, they always have good running backs. And Fournette's probably one of the top rushers right now in the NFL, taking a lot of pressure off of Bortles. He he doesn't have to, to be one of those world beaters where he have to dink and dunk down the field like like a Brady and, and score touchdowns passing the football. It's a two dimensional thing to where he doesn't have to. You know, make those long throws. He can, you know, do those short, those screen plays and those short routes to keep everything going. They've been protecting him very well. And on the other side, when you have a defense that can rush the passer and, and, and teams aren't scoring a lot of points on them, they can keep things very conservative on the offense. And that's how they're winning football games. Finally, DeMarcus, undeniably, you have a Hall of Fame resume. As we're looking at current players, I think Khalil Mack could wind up in Canton, Ohio as well. But what's going on with the Raiders as a defensive unit? Despite his individual talent, they're still giving up way too many big plays. Uh, it's, it's all about scheme. When, when I when I think about things, they they have the same team on defense, but you got guys not being responsible and where they need to fit in the defense, and they're, they're giving up a lot of the big plays in, in the secondary. So they they have to fix that. I mean, you can have one player that can get to the quarterback, but if the quarterback knows exactly where he's going before the play and get the ball off before a Khalil Mack can get there, it doesn't matter. So it goes back to the cornerback core. It's hand-in-hand. Hand. You know, it gives the, 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 the rushers up front a little bit more time to get to the quarterback, and then you, uh, Khalil Mack will start making those plays like he always do. Demarcus, we appreciate the insights. Have a great program tonight on NFL Network, and we look forward to chatting with you again in the future here on the NFL on TuneIn. Thank you so much. You guys take care. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast, and we'll be right back with more after this. Experience the excitement of the NFL as it happens with NFL First and Goal, exclusively on TuneIn Premium. From week one to week 17, jump in and out of the action every Sunday with Nick Ferguson and me taking you from game to game. We'll have home calls as teams are threatening to score. Fake it to block. Brady tosses. Touchdown! Hear every big play. Hear every game-winning drop. Here's a touchdown. Catch NFL first and goal every Sunday starting at 1 Eastern, only on TuneIn Premium. Upgrade today. Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. 
Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Now let's focus on today's top headlines with former NFL safety and NFL first and goal analyst Nick Ferguson. Nick, we got to start with the devastating news. Richard Sherman is done for the rest of the year, ruptured Achilles. How does Seattle try to replace him in terms of impact between the lines and more importantly, emotion? That that is something that is going to be very hard to do, especially knowing as though uh, Earl Thomas, uh, the uh, all-pro safety, he did not play, and he was on the sideline. And uh, That defense of Seattle, uh, they've taken some shots. They've been beat up uh, a lot, and when you look at what makes that team whole, Richard Sherman, is, Simmons, Sherman excuse me, is one of those individuals because he's a very emotional uh, player. Not having him in the lineup is going to create some issues for this team moving forward. You're talking about a guy who was once a wide receiver converted to corner, and the idea of the type of defense that they want to play is pressure the quarterback, force the quarterback to make some errant throws, and our guys in the back end, they're going to make plays for us. He was a long-ranging corner. They really have that top-end speed that you want at that position, but since he played wide receiver, his, his instincts and his anticipation was always there. And even on the play that he was injured, you can see that he was trying to uh, actually get in position to make a play on the ball, but it's just kind of uh, unfortunate that it has happened to Richard Sherman and Seattle at this time, and that, that definitely changes that injury that is with, to Richard Sherman, changes the complexity of the season for the Seattle Seahawks. I mean, the Rams pretty much own the division right now, sh- should actually win that division, and I thought, you know, going into tonight's game, uh, if Seattle was able to win that game, now they put themselves right back in the mix to be the team to hunt down the Los Angeles Rams. But right now, that's not going to happen. The offense uh, had this moments where it sputters, it's up and down, no, no real consistency. And, you know, the defense was the mentality in the heart of that team. And now you lose Richard Sherman. That's, that's a devastating blow to that, that team and, and the organization as a whole. What does that say to the value? What does that say about the value of a, a Russell Wilson? Uh, while everyone else is getting hurt, whether it's last year or this year, last year, of course, we know it was Cam Chancellor. It was Earl Thomas. This year, it's Earl Thomas. It's Averill. And now it's Richard Sherman. But yet, you still have Russell Wilson, the player on the football field, because it seems like everyone else can get injured on the defense and the st- team still wins. But if you, you, you lose number three, it seems as if regardless of what else they have on this football team, it won't move forward the way it should. No, it, it won't, Cordell. And, and right now, Austin Davis, he came in for, for one play. And, and, and we saw, you know, Russell, when he came out, when he took that shot and, and, and the jaw, you know, the concussion protocol, he was like, throw the 10 up. Oh, I'm good, Doc. I'm running back on the field. Because just like you said, he, he realizes that he is a key cog in that offense. And if he's not in the lineup, it totally changed the complexity of what Doug Baldwin and Paul Richardson, who's, come on phenomenally in this, this year, and that's all due to connection that he has with you know, Russell Wilson. But he, if he's not in there, it's going to be very difficult. But, you know, Dwayne Brown, who just recently was traded to the Seattle Seahawks, we saw him go out with an anger injury. Um, and, and there's a lot of guys that are banged up. And, and this is the, the part of the year where teams want to separate themselves. Sometimes you may, it may not be because you have superior talent, but it may be because your guys are healthier than opponents that you're playing. Right now, I reference the Los Angeles Rams. Right now, they don't have any marquee injuries to any of their top players. So looking at what Seattle has sustained in last night's game, and we can say, well, was it because they were playing on Thursday night football? We can toss that out, but you and I know better because a lot of injuries, they could have happened on Monday night. They can happen on Sunday, and they can happen on Thursday. You just don't know, and you can't really predict. But this put Seattle's uh, playoff hopes and, and jeopardy uh, having those guys go down in the game last night. Nick Ferguson, former NFL safety, is our guest on the NFL on TuneIn. Nick, you know we're always looking for a summary judgment. Can Seattle still make the Super Bowl without Richard Sherman? No, it's not. When you look at how they got to the Super Bowl when they did the two times, it was based on – you know, excellent quarterback play like Cordell alluded to with Russell Wilson. I mean, he's not going to put up the guardian numbers like Tony Romo, but he is efficient. He's not going to put your team and your offense in a position where he's going to throw multiple interceptions. That's only happened one time in his career against the Green Bay Packers in the Emerald City, and the defense was able to come back and help them out because this is a defense that can not only flip the field 
for the offense, but when they get turnovers, those turnovers, you know, turn into points. And not having Richard there, that puts pressure on that front, you know, front seven. I mean, Cordell said this up, no Cliff Averill. So, you know, where's the pass rush going to come from? I mean, you have Jordan and you have Dwight Freeney, but, you know, can these guys supply enough pressure to opposing quarterbacks to help the guys in the back end? All the guys who the Seattle Seahawks are going to put in, you know, maybe, you know, you got Justin Coleman, now he's going to have to play a significant amount of time. And I don't know if he can hold up outside enough to give that front seven time to get home. So it's going to be very difficult for the Seattle Seahawks in the playoffs if they are to get there. I tell you what, adding uh, Dwight Freeney to the to the officer's defense, I mean, it's it's a it was a very good move by this team because you lose Averill uh, for some time, Earl Thomas for some time, and now all of a sudden for the year you have Richard Sherman going out. But I want to go to Dallas now that we know that Dak Prescott won't be in for the next six weeks. How do you see this thing working out for this team coming into Atlanta uh, with Alfred Morris and also Darren McFadden? Well, this is going to put you know. Uh, a lot of pressure on Dak Prescott, and it's really going to press Jason Garrett and his offensive coordinator to see, you know, how wise they are as far as coming up with the scheme. Because even though uh, you're asking three guys essentially to try to go in and duplicate the level of production that Ezekiel Elliott has given you up to this point, it is possible. You're not going to get exactly, but you're going to be able to use these three guys. Alpha Morris is not a speed burner. He's great catching the ball out of the backfield. So you're going to have to use him in screen plays. Darren McFadden, I mean, he, he is that hammer. I played against him. He wants to get the ball, and he, he wants to go north and south. And when he come in, comes downhill, he's coming with, some, with the mentality to really thump the defenders. So now that gives you power in between the tackles and goal line and maybe short yardage. But Rod Smith, he's another guy, just like Alfred Morrison. Rod Smith has a little more wiggle to him. So now we're talking about screen passes. And when I look at uh, an offense being able to duplicate uh, a run game from a pass standpoint, I always go back to Sean Payton and what he was been able to do with Darren Sproles when he was a member of the New Orleans Saints. To me, that's what you have to do. You have to use these three guys to keep Dan Quinn's defense off balance so, he, so they don't know, okay, well, we get this guy, so we're going to try to game plan for this guy. We can't. We've got to try to game plan for three guys. And, and you've coached this season. You know how difficult that is to try to game plan for three particular guys. So if I'm Jason Garrett, that's what I want to do with these three backs against the Atlanta Falcons. Nick, needs you to be a rational third party when it comes to analysis of the Saints. I know they're 6-2. and two. I know they've won six consecutive games. I think they're losing Sunday on the road in Buffalo because – Outside of going to Carolina and beating the Panthers, I don't see a lot of quality wins. Cordell believes in this football team more than I do. How do you see it? Well, if there is a team that can definitely go and beat Buffalo, it is uh, this New Orleans Saints team. I mean, you mentioned the fact that they're riding a six-game high, and that does a lot for a team that at the beginning of the season, everyone was saying, okay, well, is Drew Brees done? Uh, the fact that they don't have a running game and – Maybe Dennis Allen, you know, should be fired. But what they did was what, what most teams would do is, you know, block out all the noise. Say so the only thing that matters is what we think inside this locker room. And they've shown from a defensive standpoint that they have come to play. And that's the one thing that they've been lacking all of the years that they've had Drew Brees is we know what he and Sean Payton are going to do from an offensive standpoint. But they never had the defense to match. And once again, when you have a defense – turning balls over, and Cordell knows this because he played in Pittsburgh where, you know, that was kind of their, their mantra, what they did. They ran the ball and they played great defense. Right now, this is what the recipe is for the New Orleans Saints and Sean Payton. And Alvin Kamara is definitely helping him, being a guy who can run the ball between the tackles and catch the ball out of the backfield. So looking at all those things that the New Orleans Saints can do on both sides of the ball, there's nothing to tell me that they can't go in Buffalo and come out victorious. Whoop, there it is. We appreciate that analysis by you, Nick Ferguson, because I... Who that? Who that? Who that? I, yeah, who that? I, I, try to, <laughs> I try to make it understand. See, the thing I try to convey on our show here with my partner here is that yes. wins in the National Football League aren't easy. And I, and I know we always anticipate, you know, it's automatic win for this, play, this team, that team. I mean, the Buffalo Bills lost to the Jets last week. 
no one on this on this on the airwaves right now listening or even on this show right now thought that the Jets would have a chance to beat Buffalo with how great this defense was when it came to getting interception turnovers into how this offense was actually coming around and playing. So to to see that happen, it goes to show you, yes, while you can win on any given uh, Sunday or whenever they play, I just look at a team that had a a, a drop-off, Richie Incognito going nuts because they ended up playing on Thursday game, they lost, so he's blaming the world, to now all of a sudden the Saints is playing on on a natural high with them getting turnovers, only allowing 15 points a game over the last last six games. Special teams getting touchdowns as well. I like this Saints team going against the Buffalo Bills. It, it, once again, Cordell, how can you not? You know, we know the history of this organization, uh, what uh, Louisiana has been through with, with hurricanes, and you know how much Drew Brees has come to the city of New Orleans, and how he mean, how much he means to that city, and what he's been doing out in the community. And everyone's talking about you know Sean Payton once again, and you know is he on his last days as a head coach? And all I know is that in a couple of weeks. They've turned everything around. Now, they are the team that everyone's chasing. Atlanta's trying to keep up. Carolina's trying to keep up. And when you look at the whole race inside the NFC as far as, you know, getting into the playoffs, this is definitely a team you have to be afraid of because, you know, the one part of the team that was not playing up to par is now one of the top units in the NFL, and that's the defensive side of the ball. And that's the only thing that they were they were missing. So, yeah, this is definitely – uh, a team in New Orleans Saints that people should be afraid of. All right, we've got three minutes left in the segment. You know I'm not going to let it go. New Orleans won seven games last year, guys. This is not That's some radical improvement. No, 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 no. I'm looking for a overall assessment of a franchise. They weren't that bad last year. And, Nick, not to ask you a leading question, but that's what I do on this show, Counselor. If you're going <laughs> to give me those defensive stats – Look at the quarterbacks they matched up against. Last week it was Jameis Winston for one half with one arm and Ryan Fitzpatrick in the second half. Well, well when we, we can look at it from that standpoint, and you bring up a very valid point, but still at the same time, those guys get paid. They get paid yeah, they too. They get paid to play, so does the backup. So you can't really say, okay, well, they're not playing you know, Tom Brady. They're not, they're not playing Pittsburgh every single week. But here's what we do know. We know... Sean Payton and Drew Brees have had a history in this league of putting up points. And no one expected coming into the season that the New Orleans Saints defense would even amount to anything, right? This, not, this wasn't a team that was going out in free agency or has a history going out in free agency and grabbing some of the top picks. We're not talking about New England here. We're talking about a team that was you know, left for dead being a bottom feeder after you know, playing in the Super Bowl against the Colts years ago. So now they've become relevant, not just because of the offense, it's because of the defense. And maybe I'm being biased because I played on the defense side of the ball, and I love to see turnovers, and I love to see big hits. But this is a team based on the way they've been playing over the last couple of weeks that teams definitely should be afraid of. And when you have a rookie like Alvin Kamara playing the way that he's playing, and Ted again catching vertical throws down the field, something that he didn't really do for Cam Newton but he's doing it for the rival team and with New Orleans. To me, that is a recipe for success, and hopefully if they can continue to duplicate this from here on out, we could possibly be talking about New Orleans, as crazy as that sounds, in Minnesota. Yeah, that is crazy, because we know what happened when they went to Minnesota. (laughs) They got pushed around on Monday Night Football by Sam Bradford, but we can talk about this for seven hours, Nick, on Sunday. So enjoy your weekend, although it's abbreviated, and we'll do it on NFL First and Goal. 1 o'clock Eastern on Sunday. Thank you, Nick. Thank you. Keep him right, Cordell. Keep him oh, right. Bro, it's hard, man. It's hard. <laughs> you got him for seven good hours on Sunday. Good luck, my man. Goodbye, Nick. You You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. We'll be right back after this. Hi, this is Ned Coletti from MLB on TuneIn, inviting you to check out my new audio book, The Big Chair, today on TuneIn Premium. The day Frank McCourt made me the 10th general manager in the long, proud history of the Los Angeles Dodgers, November 15th, 2005, was monumental for the Coletti family. I've been blessed to spend the last 35 years in Major League Baseball, all with iconic franchises, the Cubs, the Giants, and the Dodgers, where I was a general manager for nine seasons. In the big chair, I let listeners in on the intricacies of being an executive and a GM of a major sports franchise, share the process behind the trades, free agency, and the deals. 
shedding some light on how the money and decision-making really works. I'll also take you deep inside some of the thought process behind some of the major decisions led to success and titles, along with heartbreak and failure. If you're a baseball fan, come for the inside and grit. If you're a sports fan, stay for the heart. Catch every exciting chapter of my new audiobook, The Big Chair, today on TuneIn Premium. Upgrade today. This is NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. This is NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Now let's welcome in former NFL punter Drew Butler. Drew, thanks for taking the time. Before we talk about what's going on with the podcast and what's going on in college football in the NFL, got to start with your background because you come from a kicking family. Your father, Kevin, kicked for the legendary 85 Bears. What's the best story he's told you about that team that played very hard on and off the field? Yeah, what's up, guys? I'm glad to be on with you. Thanks for having me on. And uh, I am very fortunate in that my dad did play uh, in the NFL for 13 seasons, most notably for the 1985 Chicago Bears. And there are plenty of stories. And now that I'm a bit older, I've gotten to hear a few more of them. I think the coolest thing about that team and, and what's been seen through my eyes is the camaraderie that they had. I mean, that team is still so closely banded together. Uh, I lived out in Scottsdale, Arizona for four years, and I would play golf with Jim McMahon and hear some of those stories. I've played golf with some of his other teammates like Jimbo Covert, and just seeing those guys get together and the legends that they still are in Chicago, it's pretty unbelievable. There's no doubt. When you think about uh, those days that you're talking about, and especially in Chicago, um, you know, there there was kickers there. Uh, you also have kickers coming out of um, out of New Orleans that ended up making it to the Hall of Fame and, and yourself, of course, being one of the good ones. Uh, give me your take on sometimes people have a tendency to not look at you guys as football players. You know, sometimes, oh, he's a kicker. He has one job to do. Can he just make the field goal? Give us the understanding of how difficult you guys' job really is, considering that you're not at practice the entire time. You're there, but you're not working as hard as the other players. Make people understand why that job is so important and how hard you truly do work. No, you're right, Cordell, and you would know. You've punted in a few NFL games yes, yourself, but there's a reason we're called specialists, and it's because we specialize. Uh, it's completely different. I think punting and kicking and snapping is truly an art form. I'm not taking anything away from the skill positions on the field, but we are out there to do one job, and especially now. Uh, the, the demand for success is at an all-time high. I mean, if one guy has a bad game, he better perform well the next week or they're going to go shopping. So it's become a lot different. I think it's up to each individual kicker, punter, long snapper to work hard, to integrate themselves with their teammates, to show up because that's what it's all about. Are you going to show up? Or are you going to compete? And ultimately, do you perform on Sundays? Because if you're consistent – and you help your team win, then you can be kicking or punting or snapping for a long time in the NFL. Chatting with Drew Butler, the former NFL punter. Check out Drew and Aaron Murray for the Punt and Pass podcast. New episode every Thursday, available here on TuneIn. Be sure to subscribe. So, Drew, you and Cordell both played for the Steelers. We talk a lot of Pittsburgh football in this program. Right now, I made you choose between... Pittsburgh and New England as the best team currently in the AFC, who would you go with? Well, you'd have to go Pittsburgh at this point. I think New England's uh, lack of defensive prowess through the midway point of the season is probably the biggest question mark for them. They've obviously picked that up the past few weeks, but you know the past couple seasons, New England has kind of been Pittsburgh's kryptonite when it comes to playoff football. I think if Pittsburgh can continue to play at a high rate and get home playoff field advantage, that would be gigantic because when Heinz Field's rocking and it's cold out there and it's a playoff atmosphere, that's tough to beat. It's, it's a very, very hard place to win, that's for sure. When you talk about the Pittsburgh Steelers um, beating the New England Patriots, I mean, Bill Belichick, do he really does have their number uh, when it comes down to how to defend this this Pittsburgh Steelers team. But it looked like offensively right now with Juju Smith-Schuster, uh, you have Martavis Bryant back, you have Le'Veon Bell, who's playing outstanding. You now have a fullback, which is something maybe way back when you were accustomed to seeing with Roosevelt Knicks. And Ben, the old man, he's just leading the helm with Antonio Brown, of course, and then you have James Harrison on the other side. If these guys can stay healthy, because remember, they got to the AFC Championship game last year without Mart- without Martavis Bryant, also Juju Smith-Schuster. 
Um, if these guys can truly stay healthy, do you really think from a scheme standpoint they could outplay this New England Patriots football team considering Bill Belichick has their number? I think so, especially if they're able to exploit New England's defense like offenses did earlier this season because on Pittsburgh's offense, when they have enough talent to complement a guy like Antonio Brown, Le'Veon Bell, Ben Roethlisberger, those are some of the greats in the game today. And when Ben's hot, Cordell, you know he's, he's as good as anybody in the league. But if he gets pressure in his face and gets, starts to feel uncomfortable in the pocket, anything can happen, just like that Jacksonville game a few weeks ago when he threw four or five interceptions. But their offensive line is gelling right now. If they can continue to stay healthy, like you said, I, I see no reason why they couldn't go toe-to-toe with New England in the playoffs this year. Drew Butler is our guest on the NFL on TuneIn. Drew, I'm glad to see that you're working with Aaron Murray. Obviously, you guys have the strong Georgia connection because occasionally folks who work in special teams have a hard time fitting in. So let me follow up on Cordell's <laughs> question and connect it to an anecdote on this program, one of our favorite moments. Mitch Berger, former NFL punter, played with Cordell at Colorado. He's come on the show a couple times talking about how hard he had to work to be embraced by his teammates who said, well, you're over on the side. You're not an actual athlete. What was your experience like in the NFL? Because obviously you played well enough to make it to the highest level of our sport. Was there any challenge bonding with folks who weren't on special teams? Uh, I think so. You know, I was a rookie in Pittsburgh. And when I was in Pittsburgh in 2012 and 13, it was an older team. A lot of guys had two Super Bowl rings. So I feel like the locker room was a bit split. Um, You knew where you were as far as on the totem pole. So when I showed up to Pittsburgh, man, I honestly did not say a word. I showed up early. I left late. I put the work in. And things seemed to bounce my way, and uh, and I have really, really enjoyed my time in Pittsburgh. But it was kind of a, a speak-when-spoken-to type deal as a rookie punter. Um, and then, you know, things just kind of progressively got better for me along the way once I made the team and, and became a part of the team. Uh, unfortunately, my rookie year, we didn't make the playoffs, but I'm still great friends with a lot of some of the legends of Pittsburgh football. So I, I honestly enjoyed my time there. And Ninety percent of that is just showing up and, and working hard and letting letting your football do the talking. When you see Adam Vinatieri still getting it done, coming out of South Dakota State, let me give you this one. Check this out: twenty-two years of football, bro. Twenty-two years of putting it between the uprights. Unbelievable! How great! I won't say good, but how great is that? And he's probably the most consistent and most efficient field goal kicker of all time. Yeah, when you look at Vinatieri, and he's played 22 seasons, and a guy like Morton Anderson who just got inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame, 25 seasons. I mean, I'm 28 years old. That that puts it in perspective for me. Their, their consistent excellence and, and their hard work and really just their performance week to week, year to year, it's unmatched. Adam Vinatieri will go into the Hall of Fame, and watching him do it, at his age and the level that he's playing at, it's nothing short of amazing. It really isn't. And I think anybody to a man has the utmost, utmost respect for him and what he's able to do week to week. Drew, tell us about the podcast. I listened to a recent edition getting ready to have this conversation. Very entertaining, highly informative. How'd it come together? Yeah, so I, I've, I've always been really interested in media. You know, I went to school, got my degree in journalism, and I've tried to stay as active as I could while playing football. And, and, and knowing Aaron for so long, we have the same sports agent, I just kind of created the idea in my head. I kind of put pen to paper, came up with a business plan for the podcast, if you will, and I pitched it to Aaron. I had no idea that he had already signed a contract with CBS Sports to become a color analyst. And he was like, dude, I think it's a great idea. So we we did it. Our initial idea was to be an SEC football podcast. And with our alma mater, the University of Georgia, being 9-0 to this point, the number one ranked team in the nation, it's only benefited us. We talk a lot of Georgia. We talk a lot of Alabama. And now as the season's progressing, we've gone more mainstream, top 25 college football playoff poll talk because we're gearing up for what's going to be a huge end of the college football season leading up to the national championship game, which is in Atlanta this year. And what I enjoy is you also leverage your professional experience. So if somebody is not that hardcore a college football fan, they're going to learn something as well. All right, as we wrap it up, 
Cornell went to Colorado when they were in the Big Eight. That's how old he is. But now they're in the Pac-12. <laughs> I went to two Pac-12 schools. I work for Pac-12 Networks. That's the setup. I know Washington's not going to wind up in the playoff. But as somebody who has some issues with folks who are always telling me SEC undeniably is the best conference in all of college football, you remember last year, for the first time in conference history, outside Alabama, everybody had at least four losses. It never happened before in the proud history of the SEC. Walk me through what I view as a doomsday scenario for the rest of us. If it's Bama and Georgia, SEC title game, and it's a narrow loss, it's called a three-point game, what's the likelihood they're both going to the Final Four? You know, I think it's going to come down to Notre Dame. And, and as crazy as it sounds, because Georgia did defeat Notre Dame in South Bend week two of this season, uh, the college football committee, it, it, politics will come into play. And if a Big 12 team like Oklahoma or a Big 10 team, Ohio State, if one of those teams gets in as a conference champion, and, and that close game does happen in the SEC championship game, I would not be surprised in the slightest that a one-loss Notre Dame team would get in over a Georgia team that has their one loss late in the season in the SEC championship game. That's just the way it goes. I believe a lot of Georgia fans would kind of understand that as they've been snake bitten in the past. But I think Georgia's got a real chance to be 12-0 and heading into the SEC championship game. They've got a huge test this weekend at Auburn. Uh, to simplify things, I think Georgia – is a more complete football team. I think Kirby Smart has proven himself to be a sound coach in close football games. And I look for Georgia to get out of Auburn with about a 10-point victory. And week by week, as Bama continues to get beat up and loses a lot of key players on defense to injuries, uh, I see Georgia's chances of getting out of the SEC championship unscathed improving. So uh, it'll be really, really interesting. And I know everybody down here, in the South is gearing up for what is going to be a massive SEC championship duel. Drew, I know you mentioned special team players are considered special people. Um, I had the opportunity to be a punter uh, accidentally when I was with the Baltimore Ravens against the Jets there in New York. Uh, And I end up walking away from that thing being the AFC player of the week. Would I be considered now as a special teams player and special because I got an opportunity to come off the bench when not knowing I get no practice all year? I, I didn't know I was the backup punter. I had no clue. I was asked to come out of the back of the end zone. Heels were on the on the white line behind me. You know how that goes, right? The offensive no linemen are sitting there when they snap the ball at the what the two yard line, and I had to hurry up and get in the air. And I and Dion told me from the sideline, he said, "Cordell, pick your leg up a little bit higher." So we're going into the wind, Drew. I punt the ball. I get a spiral. I go all the way out to the 50-yard line. I mean, through the wind, blazing. I mean, you know how the New York wind is. All that crazy stuff going on. We end up getting them on like the, what, maybe the 45-yard line. We end up stopping them because we got them out of position to kick a field goal or even score a touchdown. I get AFC Player of the Week. How does that special teams play of the week? How does that work? Where do I fall in the category of special players? Oh, you're yeah, special, no Cordell. Doubt. You're special. There's we know no that. You yeah, you are a special player. You are a specialist. And when I was in Pittsburgh, Coach Tomlin used to say that your film is your walking, talking, breathing resume. You embraced the opportunity and you delivered. So, Cordell, I hereby declare you a special person. Drew, that's my guy. You're always welcome here on No Huddle. Call us yes, anytime sir. you want to, baby. And, my Drew, man. now your resume is every week with a fresh installment of the Punt and Pass podcast. Tell Aaron Murray we enjoyed the show as well. We'll chat with you again in the future here on the NFL on TuneIn. All right, guys. Appreciate it. Have a great weekend. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast, and we'll be right back with more after this. Hey, Peter King here from the MMQB. Listen live this Sunday as I join Brian Weber and Nick Ferguson on NFL First and Goal. Over the shoulder, catch of the five, inside the pylon, touchdown! Between the biggest plays from around the league, we'll talk about the biggest storylines from this week's games and cover the day's action in real time. Catch NFL First and Goal every Sunday at 1 p.m. Eastern, only on TuneIn Premium. TuneIn is your home for the National Football League. Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. 
As we continue on NFL No Huddle the Podcast, it's time for the Fantasy Fix with Joey from Roto Radar. Fantasy football has become a major reality for millions of fans. Makes him off to the 30. He's gone. He's gone. What a move. It takes skill to win your fantasy championship, separating the zeros. And he goes to the near side, and it's picked off. Intercepted. From the fantasy heroes. Down the middle, it's caught over the shoulder in the end zone. Buckle up your chin strap for the fantasy, fantasy fix. <laughs> He's back by popular demand. So good last week, we wanted another conversation with Joey from Roto Radar. Joey, thanks for taking the time. So much of fantasy football comes down to matchups. So a week ago, Adrian Peterson ran wild against the battered Niner defense. Future Hall of Famer, 37 carries for 159 yards. Last night, a vastly different story against a much better D from Seattle. Peterson lost a fumble, took a safety had one of the worst games in NFL history, if you think about the amount of touches. 21 carries, just 29 yards. What's the outlook moving forward? Um, I, I think he's going to be usable this the rest of the season, but don't expect elite numbers. Um, none of his upcoming games really screen fade him, but he's going to face his fair share of eight-man fronts. And as you saw last night, Drew Stanton cannot stretch the field. So it's going to be a, a little bit tricky for the rest of the year. Joey, Jimmy Garoppolo has made his way over to San Francisco. He's now with the 49ers. But when he does play, do you wait a week to see how he does or how he looks or who he favors? You or you still play There's the zero same data to go on, on when it comes to who he'll have chemistry with. Um, at this moment, Carlos Hyde's really the only one you can play with any sort of confidence. Um, hopefully Garoppolo will be able to unlock some of Marquise Goodwin's potential, but it's a long shot. Now, that being said... I do love locking him up for next year if you're in a dynasty league. Joey, I'm looking to create a dynasty right now. I don't have time for next year, so I need your help with DeAndre Hopkins. What am I doing with him understanding that he cannot throw himself the football? And my goodness, even though Tom Savage found him towards the end of that game for the first touchdown thrown in his career, you know what Savage failed to do. So what am I doing with Hopkins on the road against the Rams on Sunday? Sunday, I'm sitting him. Um, if if you're in DFS, I just don't think he's something or someone that you can count on. If you're in a season-long league, you probably don't have the depth to to make much of a, a change. So you'll have to ride him in your season-long leagues. But in DFS, do not start him this week. Is Adrian Peterson climbing towards a running back you can use each week? Uh, like I said earlier, I I, I think you can. Uh, I actually I think he's a Pretty similar situation to DeAndre Hopkins. He's going to give you moderate stats that will not kill your team, but neither one is going to win you a championship this year. Getting you the fantasy scoop from Joey of Roto Radar. Joey, as we think about what Mitchell Trubisky has been doing, certainly they eased him in with just a very limited workload at the outset. Heading into the matchup against a Green Bay defense that has their own issues, how much faith do you have in Trubisky at home this Sunday? If I could say less than zero, I'd say less than zero. <laughs> so I you're saying there's it. a chance, Joey. <laughs> they just they don't trust him, but that, that does create some opportunity if you're a Jordan Howard owner, especially in DFS. He's... He is one of my favorite uh, running backs this week. Uh, you need to really consider putting him in your lineups. But if you've got Trubisky on your bench in a season-long league, just don't go there unless you have to. You just spoke about a back. Um, do you see Leonard Fournette after returning from an injury and suspension? Do you see him having a big week? He is my number one ranked player this week. Uh, he's got San Diego's poorest run defense. He's going to probably get 20 to 25 carries. And he's had a month off, so those ankles that were bothering him at the beginning of the season should be healed. So you need to lock him in your lineups and enjoy the ride. Joey, last one for me. We know that you're not going to replace Ezekiel Elliott individually when it comes to what the Cowboys are going to do in actual football on the road in Atlanta. However, in fantasy football, I can't start the collective of Morris, Smith, or McFadden. So if I have to make that tough choice, which of the three am I starting on Sunday? Um, I wouldn't really touch this situation unless I have to. Uh, Morris is going to get the first chance, but just ask Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones what happens if, if you don't get it done or have a little bit of bad luck. Uh, in season-long leagues, 
you can stash each one and see where where it actually plays out this week. But if you're in a really deep league, throw a couple of bucks at, at uh, Rod Smith because there's always a running back at the end of the year that comes out of nowhere like Bilal Powell did last, last year. Finally, Joey, for our global audience, tell our listeners what they're going to find when they check out rotoradar.net. Well, if you've ever got beat in season-long or DFS and you're looking at the winning teams thinking, how in the world did he know to play that guy? He or she was probably a Roto Radar subscriber. That sums it up. Joe, I got to tell you, your brevity has been incredible today. Get in, get out. No fluff with the analysis. Well, I appreciate the opportunity, guys. It's been a pleasure. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. We'll be right back after this. Patriots fans, Tom Brady's first audiobook, The TB12 Method, How to Achieve a Lifetime of Sustained Peak Performance, is now playing on TuneIn Premium. As I was running through my typical football training regimen, I knew one thing for sure. I'd never thrown the ball as well as I did that day. In this deeply practical athlete's Bible, listen in as the five-time champion reveals his revolutionary approach to sustained peak performance that has helped him stay at the top of his game. My ability to sustain my peak performance over the past 10 years is almost unbelievable to me. Filled with lessons learned from Brady's personal training experience, the TB12 method also advocates for more effective approaches to cognitive fitness, nutrition, and other lifestyle choices that dramatically decrease the risk of injury while amplifying performance and quality of life. TB12 method focuses on developing and maintaining something that many people have probably never heard of muscle pliability catch the tb12 method how to achieve a lifetime of sustained peak performance by tom brady on TuneIn premium today this is nfl no huddle the podcast here are your hosts brian weber and cordell stewart as we close out nfl no huddle the podcast it's time for cordell and i to tell you what we are more than sure is going to happen on the field in week 10 it takes a unique ability to navigate the topsy-turvy National Football League. Drop down, get your eagle on on this one. A special vision to find clarity in an always-changing sport. I was wrong. Brian and Cordell aren't just sure about their perspectives. They are more than sure. I'm more than sure. We start with the eight early games. Quality matchup, 6-2 New Orleans. They've won six consecutive games on the road at 5-3 Buffalo. Cordell, I'm taking the Bills at home. How about you? I'm going with the Saints. I think they keep their streak going. The defense is playing good, getting touchdowns off of turnovers, and his offense It's going to be steady, baby. I'm going with the N-O. Who that? Divisional matchup, 4-4 four four Green Bay on the road to 3-5 Chicago Bears, led by Mitchell Trubisky pretty big deal but uh no matter who our opponent is we're trying to be one and know each week but i know this is a big rivalry for the fans in the city of chicago so we're just going to go out and give it everything we got and hopefully we come out on here's the packers head coach mike mccarthy on the matchup their front seven is really in sync i think they're doing a heck of a job we all understand the sack totals that they have but they you know the front uh, is dominant and and i think their secondary you know they're just playing a lot more in sync uh this, this time of year which is what you're looking for I will take the Bears at home. How about you? I'm going with Mitchell Trubisky, baby. I think they beat this team. Hundley is not playing good football, so confidence is on the Chicago Bears side. I'm going with the Bears. Four and four Lions hosting the winless Browns, but Matthew Stafford saying all the right things about the Cleveland defense. They stopped the run about as good as anybody in the NFL. Um, they've got young, really talented guys in the secondary. Some guys that are um, extremely talented. I mean, they got a bunch of first and second round picks. Guys that have obvious talent, have obvious skill. It jumps off the screen. So, uh, you know, from an offensive standpoint, uh, what we look at, you know, is their defense. And um, you can definitely tell they've got a bunch of really nice, you know, talented pieces. I've got the Lions big. How about you? My huge. I agree. Bigly. Definitively. Three and five Cincinnati <laughs> on the road at five and three Tennessee. Your Titans have won three straight. I say they make it four in a row. Confirm that for me. I agree with you. AJ Green, 42,000 short in the pocket because of last week. I'm going with the Tennessee Titans. I've got the six and two Steelers crushing the three and six Colts. How do you see the game? I'm going with the Steelers, hands down. I think Juju Schuster keeps it going. Juju Smith-Schuster, as friends call him. There it's is. the Ryan Fitzpatrick Bowl. Ryan Fitzpatrick is going to start a game again in the National Football League for the Buccaneers in for Jameis Winston. Bucks trying to snap their five-game losing streak against his old team, the 4-5 and five Jets. I'll take the Bucks begrudgingly at home. How about you? I'm taking the Jets. They take it out. On Ryan Fitzpatrick, because he held the team hostage last year, I think they give a little payback. 
I'm going with the Game Green New York Jets. Your 6-2 Vikings on the road. The 4-4 four four Redskins. You know I don't believe in Case Keenum. I'll have to ride with my guy, Kirk Cousins. I'm picking the Skins. How about you? I'll take a case of Minnesota Vikings. I'm going with Case Keenum in that defense and also that running game that's pretty darn good. Keep it going, Case, and that's a case of Minnesota Vikings. Three and five Chargers on the road coming off their bye at Jacksonville, who's five and three. They've enjoyed back-to-back wins without Leonard Fournette, who's going to be back in the lineup after violating team rules. My Jags win definitively. How do you see it? I'm going with the, what they call them? Saxville. I'm going with that running back core. I'm going with Blake Bortles in that defense. Calais Campbell. I'm going with the Jags. That gets us to the three late games. Three and five Houston in disarray after they lost to Sean Watson to the torn ACL. Tom Savage barely did anything that stood out offensively on the road in Southern California. Taking on the six and two Rams off to their best start since 2001. The last two weeks, the Rams have outscored the opposition 84-17. This is a sneaky good matchup, Cornell. The Rams could be believing the hype. It's going to be closer than you think, but I'll take the Rams at home. How do you see it? It's a sequel. Can I equal? Can I get this through to you? I am going with Ram it. Whoa, we going to do We going to Ram it. I'm going with the Rams. Four and four Atlanta. Back at home where they've had issues. A reminder, they've lost to the Buffalo Bills. They squandered a 17-point lead over the Dolphins. So no real home field advantage at the glittering new Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Taking on the 5-3 Cowboys, playing their first game this season without Ezekiel Elliott. Still, I'm taking Dallas because I believe in their defense. Cowboys win. How about you? The defending NFC champs are struggling wherever they go, at home and on the road. They're on the road every single week. I'm going with the Cowboys. That's Dak Prescott and the rest of the running backs. I'm going with the Dallas Cowboys. The game of the day for some. For folks who want to see somebody win a football game, winless San Francisco. (laughs) One and seven, New York. Let's hear this. Giants win because San Francisco is trying to maximize their draft possibilities. I'm not saying the word tank. They don't mind losing. Giants win another game. How about you? It's Gold Coast history, baby. I'm going with Jay York. He's a mastermind. John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan and company get to done. The first win of the year and only win of the year for the San Francisco 49ers against your Giants. My Giants. I left New York yeah. a long time ago. They kicked me out. Finally, Sunday night football, 6-2 New England on the road at 3-5 Denver. Broncos have imploded. They've lost four consecutive games going to be five in a row because Brock Osweiler cannot play professional football. New England wins. How do you see it? And Brock did say this is a great time to get New England. Be careful what you ask for. He's going to get it. I'm going with the New England Patriots. I'm going with the Patriots. And that completes our picks for Sunday. Thank you for listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast on iTunes with Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. Listen live weekdays from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern by downloading the TuneIn app and searching NFL No Huddle. The National Football League is on. TuneIn, your everything audio app.